at that day when we found out we were just over the moon, man, we were so over the moon. We were so grateful. But then of course, then you're literally gripping it, you know, for the entire term of the pregnancy. But uh, that specific day, especially for the road that I've been down and, and that her and I've been down together, it's, it was super gratifying and we were beyond appreciative, beyond measure. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This episode of The Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Sabre. This holiday season, give your family the gift of safety and you will gift yourself peace of mind. Sabre is the number one brand trusted by law enforcement and consumers worldwide. They empower generations with a deep range of personal safety product solutions designed with you in mind to keep you and your loved ones safe. Sabre offers a variety of personal safety products that include innovative features designed with you and your family's safety in mind. Parents can carry on knowing that their loved ones are safe carrying Sabre. From pepper gel to personal alarms, to many other great products that Sabre offers, make sure you go to their website at saberred.com. That's saberred.com. Not only do they have equipment to keep your family safe, if you follow them on social media, they give a lot of safety tips and they share personal stories about how using Sabre products makes them feel safe and also gives them peace of mind when they're just enjoying life. So if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift for you and your family, make sure you go to saberred.com holiday. They have holiday safety bundles. They have great stocking stuffers. And if you're not sure what to get your family or friends, they have a holiday gift guide that is perfect for everybody on your list. So make sure you go to saberred.com holiday. That's saberred.com holiday. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm so lucky to have this gentleman on. It's none other than Kevin Weeks. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, Sarah. How you doing? My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on, Eddie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Looking forward to chatting with you about hockey, fatherhood, and all that good stuff. I love, you know, if people follow you on social media, they know you like being a dad. And it's cool to see you share, you know, your fatherhood moments. So take me back when you found out you're going to be a dad for the first time. What was going through your mind, sir? Yeah, uh, it's been kind of a, a long journey for me personally, a really long journey that way around kids and, and being able to have them. And ultimately, my wife and I, just based on our age, we got to a point to where we said, okay, um, we have to be practical about this. I've lived through previous miscarriages. I know what that's like. I know how devastating they are uh, for your partner at said time. I know how devastating they are for you. You feel like you get run over by a train. And, you know, my wife and I had been trying and ultimately I just said to her, I was like, Hey, listen, you know, father time and mother nature are both undefeated. So we can continue going down this road, or I, I really think we should strongly consider um, doing IVF. And we tried a place uh, here in New York. It was unsuccessful. Uh, didn't work out. They were a little bit lax, I would say too, but ultimately we went down that road with them. And as fate would have it, she ended up uh, seeing this gentleman online named Dr. Foreman. And as it turns out, Dr. Foreman is the head of fertility at Columbia uh, here in the city. And he happens to be a huge hockey fan, a huge Ranger fan. Both his kids play. Uh, I think even his daughter's playing. So I think all three of his kids played. So I just reached out to him with, uh, with, with a message on IG. And quickly, he got back to me, like really quickly for somebody that's that busy. And I'll, I'll never forget this. He said, essentially, he goes, I can get a rock pregnant. So I can impregnate a rock. So we're like, okay. So we went to our consultation with them. We were off and running. And uh, it wasn't without some adversity. 
but uh, he was amazing. Him and his team over there at Columbia Fertility uh, in the Upper West Side, they were they couldn't have been any better. Top notch, great care, great bedside manner, and ultimately, um, when we ended up finding out the good news, I remember we were in Tampa. I like excuse me, we were at our place in Miami, and he called on the phone. He's like, "Hey guys, we've got these. Uh, we have these embryos that are really healthy and." Okay. Then the next day, she's like, okay, we'll implant them. And it, it's such an amazing science, uh, kind of contrary to what we all do naturally for, uh, for, to be able to create children, but it's so amazing. And so uh, at that day, when we found out we were just over the moon, man, we were so over the moon, we were so grateful, but then of course, then you're literally gripping it, you know, for the entire term of the pregnancy. But, uh, that specific day that was, uh, especially for the road that I've been down and, and that her and I've been down together. It's, it was super gratifying and we were beyond appreciative, beyond measure. First of all, thank you very much for your honesty and sharing that. I think one of the reasons why I have this podcast is, you know, this there obviously from your story, like, and the people in the circles you talk to about like being a father or just, you know, their, their own stories. Like I want to bring all walks of life and father and everyone's background story and all that. And, mm -hmm people that are listening to this have probably experienced similar things that you've experienced. So you, when you, when you, when people listen to it, it's like, Oh, it's not just me. Kevin experiences oh, another yeah. guest might've experienced. So again, appreciate you sharing and being open and honest. I love that. And, and it's something that obviously you and your wife are not taking for granted. And, and again, thank you for sharing that, but also too, like yeah, obviously great work you do right now <laughs> to get to the top of the top, to be in the NHL, hard work is probably something you're going to look to instill into your son. But talk about some of the other values, sir. Yeah, no. Well, I think we can kind of start from our respective family backgrounds. Like my my wife's side of the family, um, her mom's side of the family, they're from they're from here. They're from the States. They're from Kentucky slash Fort Wayne, Indiana. And ironically, I played for the Fort Wayne Comets when I was in the old IHL. So crazy. What a small world. But so they have kind of that Southern uh, that kind of Southern upbringing on her mom's side. And then her dad, they're Polish, but from Saskatchewan up in Canada. So um, they kind of have that prairie Western farm slash uh, American Southern, you know, those values for them and their family. And then on my side of the family, um, both my parents were born in Barbados. So we have old school Caribbean upbringing. Uh, they they immigrated they immigrated to Canada. Both my parents did. My mom did when she was sixteen. My dad did when he was twenty. And everything that's been instilled. I don't. I've said this a couple of times, but I don't think a lot of people would know this or really understand what it means. But when my mom first went to Canada at sixteen, um, she was there with my aunt and my my aunt and my late uncle. And she ended up sending for my dad, setting up all his paperwork, getting an apartment in Toronto, doing all the immigration, doing everything. And he thought he was going to come there to visit. And he was actually there. That was it. He never left since, except for vacation. But the reason why I tell you that is my dad actually didn't even want to leave Barbados because he was an overseer. But get this. He worked on a plantation, man. Wow. My dad worked on Applewitz, Applewitz Plantation uh, in, uh, in Barbados. So he thought, he's like, well, if I'm the overseer, like I'm the guy that kind of manages the plantation. I drive a Land Rover. It's kind of cool. We have a record factory here, WIRL, World Record Factory, um, where we press records. So all the hits that are coming out at that time in the 60s or whatever, they're pressing the records. But yet still they have this plantation that's growing all these fruits and vegetables and the whole thing. And imagine working on a plantation on your own island and thinking that you don't want to leave to come to North America. So a lot of people, when they, they see me, but they don't really necessarily know that part of the story. 
and um, you know, having immigrant parents and how hard my parents have worked. And I remember being kids, my parents would always say to my sister and I, the name of the game's hard work, 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 and all these other values. And they never had to prod us, and certainly didn't have to prod me from a hockey standpoint. They never had to prod me ever from when I would started playing at six till now at 48. Yeah. They never had to prod me that way, but it was just the reinforcement of the value. So, um, yeah, some of the other value, that would be chief among them, but I would say uh, decency, self-respect, family respect, uh, manners, uh, humility, a hunger to pursue positive things, being around the right people, being around positive people, being a leader and not being a follower of the wrong things, but being a follower of the right things and the right people. Uh, so you can know when to follow, who to follow for the right reasons, but ultimately, you know, be a positive leader. Uh, those are a lot of the things for us. And and it's funny. The NHLPA used to have this slogan for our players and the players union. It was called uh, be a pro. And long before I became a pro, in many ways, I was mimicking and mirroring those values and acting like a pro. And, and now that it's been uh, – you know, 28 years between broadcasting and playing or 29 years if now actually between broadcasting and playing. Yeah. Though that, that rings true every day, like every day to me in a lot of ways, it's the NHL way. It's professionalism. It's be there, try to be there on time, present yourself, be hungry, be a team player, try to add value, want to perform, want to contribute. Those are some of the values. I know I've went kind of wide, with my answer, but those are some of the values that um, my wife and I embody and that we believe in and that were instilled in us and, you know, that we've taken to a, to a higher level, both of us respectively in our careers and collectively. And we want to continue to impart those on him. That's awesome. Do not apologize. That was one of the best answers. <laughs> Kevin, that was oh, great. Thank because you. Like, thank because you. Like just what you're saying right there, not only are you breaking down your family's history and the legacy that you're, you saw in your parents and obviously the, relationship you have with your sister and like just working hard and understanding what your parents went through and what they thought about where they wanted to, you know, you know, start a family and all that. But then also too, you included your wife's family. And I, I it almost sense like, obviously I know you work in the NHL and see you on ESPN and NHL network, but right now, man, I understand that like family is so important to you. So I'm really glad you're on this yeah. podcast because family is important and it's not just your family, but I think, for me and my wife, we see the, you know, the legacies of from each generation, each family um, heritage, but it's just like, you want to incorporate that into your, in your, in your, in your kids. I got two daughters. My mm. wife and I have uh, mm. two daughters. Love it. Congrats. And thanks. And it's just the yeah. idea of like, just hearing the, the family background and what, you know, the history of your family and, and your wife's family is great. So I, that was an awesome answer. Yeah. Le thank you. Let, let me, let me kind of expand on it a little bit. So um you know, I was very fortunate to see both my parents work and work really hard. And a lot of people probably would ask, like, my dad worked at Laura Secord, which is big in Canada. It's a chocolate factory, uh, chocolate company, chocolate and candies, and they were purchased by Nestle. So my dad worked at 1500 Birchmount at the plant, uh, 1500 Birchmount Road. And he worked at the plant for, I don't know, 30-something years. And my mom worked at Blue Cross. Everybody knows Blue Cross, Blue Shield. She worked there. She was a claims adjuster. Um she worked there for a similar amount of time, 35, 40 years, whatever it was. But they never made excuses, even before they had a car, even in old school Toronto, Toronto winters, even when we lived downtown, before we lived closer out east in Scarborough to their to their work, 
they never made excuses. They never uh, were negligent or over partying or they're hammered, they're drunk, they're this, they're on that, they're on whatever. They're never irresponsible. So I saw that every day, right? And and I saw how hard it was for them, how challenging it was for them. And quite frankly, a lot of times trying to work overtime because back in the day, you get paid time and a half, right? For every hour that you'd work extra overtime. So doing all that just to make their way as, as, as immigrants and then also uh, to be able to try to elevate the family. And then also I was playing elite level hockey since I was eight years old as an underage. So you know how expensive hockey was, is, and will continue to be, <laughs> Yeah. right? And, and I think some elite sports are, are similar, but hockey is like at a whole different level. It's almost like owning a horse and, and doing, you know, one of those um, <laughs> equestrians or one of those crazy, super rich people things. But hockey's similar, man, in terms of the time commitment and the costs and tournaments and equipment and I'm a goalie and gear and the whole thing, right? Uh, driving, gas money, to and from the arena. So I grew up seeing that in them, which is, again, part of why they never had to prod me to work harder, to appreciate being at the rink, to appreciate uh, training, goalie school, power skating, practice, games, tournaments, you name it. Which brings me to this. So you kind of touched on the TV kind of side of things. I'll get back to the start of it, but I just want to take this part. So nine years ago now, we moved back here, which would be the second time that I've been an immigrant in the United States. Second time. So I showed you how my parents did it, but I came here at 19 and a half to start playing pro after my time in the OHL. So my first contract, Florida Panthers, started in the minors, the whole thing. Then as a broad, then as a broadcaster, when I retired from playing, my then wife and I at the time moved back home to Toronto, had a whole life established, had a whole thing going, started broadcasting. But, you know, at the dissolution of our marriage and, and then my wife, my current wife and I getting together, we had just started dating. She was living in Calgary. Okay. I want you to look on a map and see where Calgary Albert is. Certainly relative to New York, New Jersey, right? <laughs> so he was literally flying cross-continent for the most part, I don't know, every two weeks, literally. Yeah. I was back here in the United States without a fork, without a spoon, without a plate, because we had moved back to Toronto at the time. And all the stuff that we had we had, you know, accrued here, any home, good furniture, anything, there was zero. Yeah. Zero. So lived in a corporate apartment in Clifton, New Jersey. NHL Network was moved from Toronto at TSN back here to Jersey. It was It's at MLB Network where it still is. It's yep. the ninth year. But that year one, nothing here. Didn't have a vehicle here until after Christmas. I was taking UberX from the Ave, uh, which is a corporate housing complex in uh, Clifton. I was taking UberX to and from the studio. To Secaucus, every day right? to Secaucus every day. Yeah. UberX every day until we ended up driving a car down here from Toronto and literally starting the immigrant story all over again nine years ago. Yeah. And she ended up getting, you know, a pretty big job. Um, she was a, a national CMO, uh, chief marketing officer, which then grew to being a global chief marketing officer. She has a new, had a huge career. Uh, working on advertising, global advertising, in the heart of advertising, New York City on Madison Ave. And I was literally on the air like every night, multiple times a night, 
multiple networks for us to basically build a new life here again. Starting from scratch at immigration, even though she has American parents on the mom's side, starting from scratch at immigration, going through the whole process, going through the whole green card process, whole citizenship process. In my case, she's a green card holder and obviously our son's born here, so he's a citizen. So it's been, when I tell you, it's been a long road and a very steep climb in a short amount of time relatively in these last nine years to not only reestablish, but establish a life here again. Uh, it's been a lot. We wouldn't have it any other way, but those are some of the values that, and some of the real life experiences that, uh, that we want to impart on him. Man, just listen to that. Like, I feel like I'm set for life in the sense of motivating my kids, man. But no, I mean, your son obviously is in good hands with you and your, and your wife, just because it's like, all right, you guys are, you know, are going to show him the values and all this stuff. Like take, I mean, Feel like you know take nothing for granted is going to be a mantra in your in your household right 100 percent, because you can't you can't you have to earn it every day you you know there's everything's different right i i i squeezed everything i could have squeezed out of the out of the chamois as a goalie uh certainly as a black goalie which is never easy in a sport like hockey yep. and i took that as far as i could take it as long as i did i played professionally 14 years 11 of those years in the nhl and then, then when I started, it is legit, man. People don't think about you. that. You know, they hear your yeah. name like, oh, yeah, cool. But like in major league sports, it's only like two, three and a half years, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Major league sports, like NFL, they say not for long. NFL, not for long. <laughs> NHL, I say not here long, yeah. right? NHL. So um, I did everything I could there. I started broadcasting. This is now 16 years ago. I literally wanted to be on the air all the time. And everybody's different. Some people broadcast like, I'll do it once a week. No problem. Some people like, I'll do it twice a week. No problem. I was on the air for the, the viewers. NHL Network, Monday night in Toronto at the time. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Go to Toronto Airport Friday. Fly West Coast game for Hockey Night in Canada. Either Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, LA, wherever the West Coast game was. Transcontinental. Fly out there do the pregame show the Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada, do the next pregame hit, race up to the broadcast booth, get there while the anthem is on, put on my headset, do color, call the game, race down after, do after hours with Scott Oak, and then the next morning, which would be Sunday, fly back cross-continent, and quite often Monday I'd be doing tape. I'd, I'd go in and, and watch tape with uh, my man Shirelli Najak, who ran Hockey Night in Canada, who hired me, and or Mark Jacobson at the NHL Network who hired me. So I, I wanted to be on the air as much as possible. In between that, I mixed in MSG for a couple of years here in New York. In between that, I mixed in some NBC for a couple of years, um, plus all the radio interviews, plus all the phoners, plus podcasts now became a thing. So, Eddie, I, I literally, man, uh, I, I just had my foot on the gas pedal, I guess in short, since I was six till I stopped playing at 34. And 34 now to 48, soon to be 49, I've had my foot on the gas pedal in my broadcasting career as well. That's amazing. Yeah, it's just nuts. I, I, yeah, and again, I even more, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with no, me, no especially problem. with your schedule, man. But, um, no you know, just again, I, I feel like your son is going to learn a lot from you and, and your wife. But kind of let's talk on the other side. What is something sure. that your son has taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there until you became a dad? Great question. 
the biggest thing that that he's probably taught is we have these schedules, but he ultimately has his own schedule. So just it's new to have somebody this much. And again, my wife in her career, she she stepped back and running our part of our business now, part of our business now. But um, at the height of her chief global marketing marketing officer career, like she had her schedule, I had my schedule, we have ours. This guy now, our son Princeton, he's got his own schedule, and we still have ours. We want to integrate him, and we're integrating him into ours. But he's doing just as much for us <laughs> to integrate us into his. <laughs> so that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, obviously, we just had daylight savings time here, right? Yeah. So we were wondering, like, okay, well, what time did you think? Okay, how do we adjust this? And he had been sleeping till like seven thirty-eight in the morning, from about eight thirty in the evening at night till eight thirty in the morning. Let's say eight o'clock, seven thirty. All of a sudden, now we did the time change, and now he's up at six six thirty. All of a sudden, <laughs> you know. So, so he, in a lot of ways, man, like it's just, this is my schedule. He wants a nap. You know, we try to keep him to his schedule. He nap at such time, keep it around there. Diapers at such time, whatever he feels like going to the bathroom, like whatever. So that's been a real big thing for us is uh, his schedule and realizing that he has a schedule and us trying to do everything we can to fit him into ours, but more importantly, us fitting into his so yeah okay so yeah. You, i mean a lot of stuff to unpack there but the first and foremost like my yeah. daughters are 15 and 13 so but like just the idea of daylight savings time whether you're yeah. in spring like losing an hour or gaining an hour in the fall like when you're like when it's just a couple or it's just you and you gain out like sweet i get an hour yes when your kids are 15 and 13 it kind of it, it, it goes back to that but you just hit on something it's gonna bleed into my next question like <laughs> daylight savings time or like when you lose an hour it's just rough on parents with kids who are like you know babies so like toddlers. because again like you said you're on their schedule so totally i know you can't stop time even though you're great at mastering like how well you're gonna fit things in a day or in a week or you know just yeah. a month for your schedule and all that but what is a dad hacker piece of advice you'd offer to new dad what would it be I, I think just be as flexible as you can and and really try to help as much as you can relative to your situation. Because as you said, which I think is great, you qualified this, everybody comes into this and all your different viewers and fans that are tuning in, everybody has their own reality. So you're going to have some people that might work certain hours in construction. You're going to have some people that might work certain hours uh, in a kitchen uh, as a chef or a sous chef, some of them might be in finance. Uh, some of them um, might be in agriculture. But relative to what your schedule look like looks like, just try to do as much as you can relative to your schedule. Because I think a lot of times, you know, we want to do and be all things, and that's not necessarily possible because somebody's got to keep the lights on, <laughs> right? <laughs> Somebody. You know what I mean? And, and I know I'll just share this with, with the audience. I know I'm a night hawk, right? And typically I work evening to night TV, typically. Yeah. But that's just when you see me on the TV. During the day, then it's prep, then I'm working the phone, then I'm on a call with this agent, I'm on a call with this player. I'm testing with that guy. I'm talking to that general manager. I spoke to this owner. Now I got to be available when they're available, right? Because they too have a schedule. It's called the NHL schedule. <laughs> so how can I do that? Uh, in addition to that, you know, you're trying to talk to family members, you're trying to talk to friends, you're staying connected. 
And then you got to get a workout. You got to do this, get my suits ready for what I'm wearing on said night, wardrobe, this, that, the other. And in and around that is spending time with him, spending time with him and my wife, spending time with her, helping her with him, taking him uh, where possible. But as mentioned, because our schedule is what it is, uh, she ends up doing a lot of the primary. Plus, we have an awesome babysitter. We're lucky, uh, this lady named Khadija that's here. Because quite frankly, we're the only ones here. We don't have any other family here. So this isn't like my sister up in Calgary, my sister-in-law, excuse me, up in Calgary, or my brother-in-law, or my sister and brother-in-law in Toronto, where our respective parents are there, the greater families. This is just all us, man. Yep. Right? Literally. So that's my advice to a lot of the uh, a lot of the other parents out there. Um, do what you can relative to your schedule. Uh, don't beat yourself up over it because we know that you have other obligations. And sometimes as parents, we could have a bit of that guilt, but you know, sometimes when I'm going out the door, for example, like yesterday, I was going to the network and I was live at seven. We were live at seven, I should say, with Jane Hirsch. And it's now 6.17. I'm like, okay, I was going to leave at 6.15. Now I come down, I got my suit on, hug him. Now he wants me to pick him up. It's 6.20. Okay, now it's 6.21. I was like, okay, man. I'm like, buddy, I love you so much. And she was there with, so I had to then do the quick exchange and then she goes, okay, let's go outside and watch daddy get in the car. So they go out to the front porch, whatever. I get in the truck, fire it up, and I'm gone. But just those little moments, you know what I mean? But they can kind of tear you apart as a parent because you you feel a little bit conflicted. You're like, oh, my God. Uh, you know, my grandkid or my niece or my net, whoever it is, our son or daughter, um, whatever, our godson, we just want to hug them. We want, But sometimes there's a practical side to it, too. You know? No doubt. No doubt. And yeah, and yeah. also, too, like, you know, until my uh, wife's father and then um, and uncle moved down here, we had like mm-hmm. uh, we had a good set of like neighbors who were like we would trust and we we love them. But it's just like mm-hmm. having that family member there so you can like yeah like have some support. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because I know families listening to it or you know p- parents listening it's like yeah I understand what Kevin's going through because everybody else oh, yeah. is scattered around the world. So love that. Oh yeah, totally, man, totally. That's real, right? That's real. And we have visits like. Her parents will come down. My parents will come down. Uh, her sister, my sister and brother-in-law, uh, what have you, our niece um, on her sister's side, our nephews, they'll, they'll come and visit. But it's very different when people are busy themselves and you can pop in for a three-day, maybe a four-day. But I'll tell you, when you, in our case, when you have our main career that's so busy, but then we have other like family business stuff that we have too that's really busy, it's just a lot. It's a, it's a ton. And the NHL, man, it's, it's a, it's a softened grinder. It's a wood chipper every day, every night. It's a 24 seven business. So I'll give you an example. Okay. So two nights ago, I get off the NHL network. I get in the truck. I'm driving down route three. Secaucus is coming back toward Lincoln tunnel. So one of my buddies from Toronto that I grew up with, that I played with in junior in the OHL and the NHL, the Florida Panthers, he coaches over in Russia in the KHL, Dave Nemorosi. So, so Nemo called when we were live on the air. Clearly, I couldn't pick up. So now I'm in the truck. Um, it would have been about close to 10 Eastern here, which is whatever time over in Russia, I don't know, 3 a.m. So I call him. I call him back. He picks up. Now we're talking on the phone. So I'm connecting with him, seeing how he's doing, how his family's doing back in Toronto, blah, 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 how his team's playing in Russia, what other young players should I keep my eye on in Russia? This, that, and the other. 
uh, how's this Mac made Mitch cough that the Flyers drafted in the first round, the Russian kid, blah, blah, blah. It's a 24 seven business. This is, you know, because it might be a certain time for you or you or you or me, but that's a different time to Glenn Metropolit over in Switzerland. It's a different time to Michael Nylander over in Sweden. It's a different time to whatever a coach that's, that's coaching in the minors in the American league out in California. So you have to make yourself available uh, to connect with people and, and, and get your information, share information and strengthen your relationships. That's long before and after you've been on TV or you've been on any media platform. Yep. So it's uh, yeah. I don't know if a lot of the viewers would know that, but yeah, it, the business continues moving. It continues transacting while you're asleep. Other people are in a studio in, in Finland or while you're asleep, other players are practicing, you know, in, uh, in Germany, for example. No, yeah, no, and I'm, I'm. This is again not just talking about the parenting side of this, but also uh, too like when when someone sees like a commentator and all that, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, light goes on, they're working, the light goes off, they can go. Like no, like you're a student of the game. Obviously, you're a player of the game. You appreciate NHL, and you want to make sure that all your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed. You want to make sure you get that information. It's a constant grind. Like when I used to work in radio for producing a morning show, it was like, I had to say what's up with pop culture. If something happened, you know, yeah. like gotta make sure like talk about it the next day. You're always constantly like, yes. it's like your head is like being a goalie, like your head's on a swivel. The guy's like, what's coming up next. What's more important. Right. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because the news cycle and the information cycle doesn't wait to when it's convenient for you. Yeah. Or for the other, you know, one of our viewers or for me or anybody, it's, it's, it's its own ecosystem and it continues. And now, especially with a multimedia, uh, different platforms, social media, different platforms, there's so much information out there and it literally is a 24 seven thing. So I grew up, you know, growing up in my parents' house, they always have the TV on, they always have the news on. Uh, so I grew up consuming, you know, sports and news and, and everything. It's kind of interesting, obviously. And now working in that, but I, I understand it now because there could be breaking news. There could be information leading to breaking news. There could be breaking. There could be kind of discussions around news that already broke. <laughs> yeah. It's just the flywheel just continues, right? Then it's a transaction. What happened in Carolina? Freddie Anderson's injured. Now they signed Yaro Halak uh, to a PTO professional tryout deal. Like there's just all this stuff. And this is all while I'm upstairs in our Tempur-Pedic in our bed. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not trying to plug temper. We love them. Those are the only thing we sleep on at home, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. real talk, like that's just how it goes. No that's doubt. just how it goes. So if you want to stay abreast, you want to stay current. And I can't speak for everybody. I can't speak for all people that work um, in media or multimedia, but I, I do know that that's, that's the way that, that we do it here. No doubt, man. And obviously with the longevity of your career in broadcasting, like again, you got to be good to stay in that. You have to be good to stay in that. So that's just, again, uh, proof of like how, how much you put in the hard work. So Thank speaking you. of hard work, being a quarterback in the NFL, trying to yeah. hit a fastball, all tough things, you know, trying to stop Steph, hit a three, you know, from beyond wherever. But for yeah. me, man, like hockey, like I started getting into hockey. I went to UNH University of New Hampshire and like New Hampshire, yeah. and all that. And then all yeah. this, like the rivalry with UMaine, but then, like I started appreciating hockey, right? My mm -hmm. youngest and I got into, you know, hockey. We were playing NHL 22 and the PS5. Aww, he love loves it. the Bruins. I took her to a – could we live in North Carolina? I took her to a Canes yeah. game. And yeah. so she just loved it. And I, it was heartbreaking to tell her, like, yeah, they won the President's Trophy, but, like, they just lost to the Panthers yeah. in the first round. I'm like – because we also watched the NFL. It's like, it's not like the Chiefs going all the way to the Super Bowl because they're ranked number one. Like, 
right. NHL, you have no idea what's going to happen. But yes, for you, like hockey, I think are just you're doing all the stuff that other major pro sports do, but you're doing them on ice and skates. So, what makes you want to be a goalie and play one of the hardest positions, man? <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that, and I've got a love for all sports. I grew up playing a lot of different sports. Um, was a pretty good basketball player. Played on a high school uh, city championship team. Started on that team. Ran some track. I, I was a good athlete outside of hockey, and I was interested in, in other sports outside of hockey. But hockey was my north star compass. I want to play in the NHL since I was six years old. Literally six years old. Uh, what happened was my older cousin and his friends. Uh, when we lived downtown, they used to play street hockey behind the building, behind our building that we lived in. And it was a dead end street and there was a wall at the end of the street just behind our building. So it was pretty easy to let that be one end where one of the street hockey nets was and then the other was at the opposite. And it's funny. Those guys were born in 1968, 67, 65, 70, 71, 72. I'm born in 1975. So I was literally the ball chaser, right? Like you're playing street hockey with tennis ball or street hockey ball. Yeah. I was there to chase the ball. Literally, like if the ball went in the bush, go get the ball. Yeah. Okay, if it went under a car, you're small, go get the ball. If it went into the neighbor's backyard, if they don't have a dog because I was afraid of dogs, go get the ball, right? That was kind of my my detail. But the one goalie that usually played at one end, I don't know his first name, but they're Greek and I know his last name is Lambros. So they, and the guys used to call him Lambros. So Lambros's family emigrated from Greece to Toronto, to Canada. And for whatever reason, Lambros's family moved back to Greece. So there was like a vacant net. And basically these guys are like, hey, if you want to kind of jump in, and then we go to the neighborhood park, Hillcrest Park. They used to flood it in the winter and have a hockey rink uh, there. And I was literally on the rink. Before I had skates, man, I was out there in old school Cougar winter boots, literally, literally before my parents bought my first pair of skates at, at six yeah. later before that season uh, or during that season, excuse me. And what happened was my teacher in first grade was Miss Mahar. And, you know, when they do this, what do you want to be when you grow up and you have to write a book on what you want to be? <laughs> so basically I did these two books and in the two books, I drew myself because we had some hockey tournaments at the time. And I drew myself at this tournament that we played in, in Buffalo in, uh, at Keenan Center, Keenan in Lockport, Lockport in Keenan, just outside Buffalo, yeah. Keenan Center Arena. And so I drew myself, I drew my teammates, and I had a scoreboard, I drew the scoreboard, and the scoreboard had the NHL logo, the shield. And that for me, from when I was six, is what it was going to be. That's what I was going to do. That's what I wanted to do. That was like my beacon, my bat signal, whatever you want to call it, my North Star. That's what I wanted to do, be an NHL goalie. And that's when it started. And that's when I had that clarity of what I wanted my life's purpose to look like in terms of my life goal. Nice, man. That clear. Love it. Thank you very much for sharing that. I guess yeah, no problem. Origin story. Before we finish yeah. off the Father Quick Five, because you answered like no worries. about getting no, into no, broadcasting. Take your time. No, no stuff. On your social media account, okay? Like, yeah. I grew up in – I moved around a lot. I actually lived in Buffalo. Yeah. We lived in Chicago. So, in the yeah. 90s, I was living in Chicago. Love, George. Yeah. I, my, see my you, I see you have this Instagram post where you, Wayne Gretzky, and Michael yeah. Jordan were hanging out. And I was just yeah. like, 
That is amazing. If you added Bo Jackson, maybe some people will get this. Yeah. If not, Google it. If you had Bo Jackson, yeah. you'd have the whole Pro Stars. In Absolutely. I remember Pro Stars. I had the cereal, too. The cereal was <laughs> nice, too. The cereal was nice. The cereal was nice. It was kind of like a Honey Nut Cheerio kind of flavor to it. Yep. The fact that you can quote cereals, and I'm going to ask you about sneakers in a second, man. You Anytime. Got my- ask me anything. I just want to know. Just yeah. now like talking to you, understanding like your work ethic and the way you see perceive yourself, your son, your wife, your family. I feel like they almost could learn a lot from you, but hang out with them. What was like what was a big takeaway? If you don't mind sharing, don't share the, you know, no. the intimate stuff, but like what was something that you took away from that day? Just because I feel like you have that mentality of like you already had that like killer instinct that Jordan had, but you're like, what did you learn from them? Because I'm guessing it was a lot, but could you share one thing? Yeah, it was a ton. So basically, let me just set the table so people know. Growing up, everything for me was, there's a few goalies, which what you're going to probably ask me about after. Uh, but Michael Jordan was my guy. Of all people, that was my guy. And I was fortunate enough to get to meet him a few times along the way. Uh, during All-Star Weekend, when we were locked out in 04, um, my buddy Tony and I went to the NBA All-Star Game in Denver. We went to the Air Jordan party. I was at a couple of his golf tournaments. So I've seen him, been around him, been introduced to him before. And anybody that really knows me knows how like impactful he's been even beyond him knowing for me, just in terms of work ethic, aspiring to do something big, um, not settling, not being complacent, being a success, taking care of your family, doing all these different things. Um, and on the other side of the Wayne Gretzky play, as I played in the Wayne Gretzky tournament in his hometown of Bradford, Ontario, when I was 13, we won the tournament. I was goalie of the tournament and his now late dad, Mr. Gretzky, Walter Gretzky, who was amazing. He presented us with the trophies. He gave me my goalie of the tournament stuff. He, he was amazing. So all that to say, I was talking to these guys and telling these guys this at uh, MJ's Grove 23, which is beyond world-class. His own golf course that he built in Hobie Sound, Florida, but let me kind of take this back. This is going to be the funny thing. So my And I got to give the assist to my guy, Brad Richards, that played in the NHL a long time. Two-time Stanley Cup champ. Richie and I played together when he came to the league in Tampa with the Lightning. So he's a member at the Grove. This is this past Stanley Cup finals. Like, we see, man, when the series comes back uh, down to South Florida from Vegas, if you want to come to the Grove, I'm like, sure, no problem. I'd love to. Richie, you know, MJ's my guy. He's like, okay, no problem, man. It's the best. It's the best. So he sets this up. I'm at our house in Miami. I got to do TV from the house. So Richie's like, yo, man, where are you? I'm at the freaking course. Wait, you're not here? I'm like, bro, I'm working. I'm doing freaking TV from the crib. I've got my suit on. I swear to God. I take off the suit once we're done. Take off the suit. Put on a Jordan t-shirt. Put on shorts, a fresh pair of Air, Air, Air Jordan 1s. 1s, mint green, black and white. Jump yeah. in the truck up 95 i was literally doing like almost 100 mile hour get all the way up there get to the gate get in and i like it was just like i walked out of the moon okay I'm like oh my god this is so sick oh my god this is so baller holy this is holy so i pull up to the front park get in and now it's like the seas are parting right so richie's there richie what's up brooks kepka some other people he's introduced me to some real titans of industry in their respective business as well. Uh, a whole bunch of folks are there, who's who. And some of the guys from NHL and TNT are there. And Gretz is there because he's NHL and TNT too. So what's up, Weeksy, blah, blah, blah. So it started raining. 
the rain starts coming down. So MJ has the thing on his phone, the horn. So he blows the horn, everybody into the clubhouse. So I'm sitting with Richie, uh, Gretz is around, we're talking. Next thing you know, we're at the table with him, MJ, and uh, and the rest of them. All I was doing was listening. I just wanted to be a sponge and absorb as much knowledge. You know what? Want to know some of the things that I learned and I heard from them? How much family means to them. How much love they have for sports in general and for their respective sport. Him, basketball, Gretz, hockey. The fact that they're historians and students, students, student masters of the craft, but students of the game still. The fact that they are their mutual esteem. I'm going to share this part. Gretz looks at me. He's like, that's the greatest athlete I've ever seen, ever. MJ looks back at Gretz. He looks back at me. He's like, your nickname was a great one. It, like, just mutual admiration, back and forth, back and forth. So those are some of the things that I was really able to learn from those guys. And also, the humility. Not, ah, shucksy, I'm the guy next door delivering the newspaper on my, on my paper. But... Their humility, their approachability, the way they interact with people, the way they dealt with people, the way they carry themselves, all those things were all the confirmation numbers for a lot of what I had subscribed to, a lot of what I try to embody. But seeing it, hearing it firsthand, it was mind-boggling. And oh, by the way, I played against Gretz. Uh, I think he had four points on me. They beat us 4-3 when he was at the Rangers. It was my first time playing against them. So... So it's kind of, it was kind of full circle in a lot of ways, you know, but it was really amazing. I, I, I literally would have slept there. I would have cut the grass on the driving range with scissors if they asked me to. I would have, for real. I, t- I totally would have. I didn't want to leave there. I didn't leave there till late night. I didn't want to leave. Serious. <laughs> You're like, guys, you got go one back. more story. Come on. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I literally was just like a squad just listening to these guys because think about that. Like how often, like, are, are you going to be sitting at the same t- table with Jeff Bezos and – and Elon Musk, yeah, right, or you know, two of the best of the best of the best ever in any respective field. It's very rare. Um, you know, I was fortunate to play against Gretz, as I said, but just hearing them, seeing them, being around them, interacting with them, listening and learning, and being a sponge around those folks was that was priceless for me. Thank you so much for indulging me in that. Like, I yeah, appreciate that story. Love that. Okay, so before Fatherhood Book Five. Favorite yeah. sneaker of all time. I, I feel like as a sneaker, I noticed your tight shoe game on, on, you know, Instagram and all that stuff. Like favorite pair of kicks for you is what? Man, it's so difficult for me to narrow it down to one. Okay. Because I, how about, can I give you a top five maybe? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. All right. I would say Air Jordan threes. Air Jordan uh, with the patent leather. I wore those yesterday. I would say Air Jordan ones, the Fab Five Nike Hirachis. Nice. Okay. Right. I would say those. Right. Yeah. The, the the high top ones. Yeah. And I would then probably go with the Bo Jackson Nike SC trainers, cross trainers. Like Steve, you know? big fan of Jordan Gretzky, yeah. and, you have, and you picked the SC trainers. Those are the yeah. first pair of sneakers I had to like. My parents yeah. like, well, we're going to give you this amount of money. You have to work. Yeah. And the summer between fifth and sixth grade, I was working my butt off to find. I know the play, bro. <laughs> Yo, I know the play. My mom went to Buffalo on a bus trip, and because my dad botched the assignment the first time, okay. So the first time we're at a tournament, we're at a tournament in Washington D.C. Yeah. And 
some of the fathers, you know, we were at the hotel resting. Some of the fathers are going to the outlet mall in between games, our games of the tournament. They're like, hey, can you get us the Converse weapons, man? Get us the Converse weapons, either the magic ones, magic Johnson colors or the Larry Bird colors, either. So our dads come back with Converse fast breaks. I'm low cuts. I'm like, bro, really? Like, and that was like my first name brand shoe. You know what I mean? Like not, not bootleg shoe. That was my first name brand pair of sneakers. And I'm like, dad, but you know, you're over the moon. You're still going to do whatever. But down deep, I'm like, really? <laughs> like I, I was going back to school on Monday after this tournament with a fresh pair of weapons in my mind. And now yeah. you bring a Converse fast break, like navy and white. Anyway, but then my mom nailed the assignment. They went on a bus trip to Buffalo and they went to the Galleria, right? Walden Gallery in yeah. Buffalo. And my mom comes back and she got me Nike Air Assaults. And they were the the high top, the yellow with kind of that little fleckly snakeskin, white and black. Bro, I rocked those for literally two years. High school basketball, you can't look stupid when you're playing pickup outdoors. Had to rock them there. I literally rocked those for two years so they almost had no soul left. <laughs> so... So since I've become, an, uh, you know, I've earned the position to be able to buy the sneakers and the shoes or whatever that I want. Yeah. Like a lot of us have now. Now we can indulge in that. Yeah. That's awesome. Right? A great list right? right there. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Now we're going to finish off yeah. with a quick five. Sure. Favorite, maybe not a movie, but is there a TV show you guys like to watch together as a family? Okay. So... It's funny enough, we haven't gotten into anything in terms of a direct programming as a family. But ideally speaking, and what we're trying to step into now is having him watch hockey. That's 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 the start. So so not only necessarily me, because she, you know, it's daddy's on TV, whatever, but more importantly, now we're just trying to easing him in to watching hockey now. So now whenever hockey's on, he he'll look up at the TV and he'll look back at you. Yeah, so so if I had to say to be fair, that's that's really what it Love is it. right now. That's yeah. perfect. Love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Favorite genre of music, or is there a band or an artist you can't wait to deduce him to? Oh, I'm such a big music head from my dad. Both of us are actually, because her dad and brother are pretty musically inclined too. I would say really right now, genre, holiday music, Christmas music. We've been playing it since November first. Because last year he wouldn't have understood it, right? Because he, yeah. he was born December, he's born December 9th. Right. So last year he was the present. He was the holiday gift, the Christmas gift. But now, literally since even before the podcast, she had to turn off the Christmas music. She had Michael <laughs> Bublé or somebody, I don't know. So I'm like, yo, man, I got to jump on this podcast you've been coordinating. So they just went downstairs to the basement. I'm on the main floor. So I'd say Christmas music. Yeah, awesome. right now, for sure. Nice. Uh, and he's a Christmas baby, so it only makes sense, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, my youngest, she loves Christmas time. Like, even in, like, yeah. August, she's like, is it time for Christmas? like, no, it's not. Don't worry about it. We'll get that. <laughs> um, describe the perfect uh, family vacation. Where would it be? Perfect family vacation. If not at our vacation home in Miami, I would I would say Barbados. Nice. So we went to Barbados, too, this summer. Uh, we had a chance to to go down there and make my, our son and I. My parents came down. We had them. Uh, we got a spot there. We got to see a bunch of our family hang, go to the beach, beach walks. I'd say Barbados, man, because it's cultural. Uh, it's beautiful. It's tropical. It's vibrant. It's fun. And it's roots and culture for me. So, And that's part of his roots and culture, too. So I would say there. Love it. Favorite yeah. hockey player? Maybe like maybe I don't want to do it single to one. No, it's okay. Five, maybe. 
favorite hockey player when you were growing up was who? Favorite hockey player when I was growing up was Grant Fear. Oh, okay. The great Grant Fear. Yeah. Grant Fear was awesome to watch. He was great in the net for the Oilers. He had an amazing career, won all those cups, played internationally for Team Canada, all those Canada cups back in the day. Just so electric in the net. And he happens to be black. And for me, I just saw what was possible because so many people would be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you playing hockey, bro? Like, just run run track, play ball, like basketball, whatever, this, that, whatever. And not only people that look like me or anyone, family, not our immediate family, but maybe extended family, friends, people that we didn't know, whatever. And he was the guy that kind of, again, another confirmation number that this is possible. So I'd say Grant Fear. There's others, but I would say Grant Fear for sure. I love the fact that you keep on like saying like confirmation number. That's great because we're always looking for like signs. And again, for mm-hmm. people who sometimes might moan and complain like, oh, this or that, like this is why representation is so important that everybody needs a seat at the table so they can see what can be done. So I love that. Um, oh, for sure. And lastly, top three words you hope your son would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? I would say uh, dependable. I would say trustworthy and an example because we don't want to just say these things. You know, you're trying to impart as you guys, I'm sure you're trying to impart a lot of these values. You try to impart them on them, right? You you want to be able to share and hopefully help shape them. Uh, But in a lot of ways to me, it's even more credible when you are that. And when you've been that, you know, it's kind of hard to say, Hey man, work ethic, work ethic. And I'm big on this. This one really spurred me. Uh, no offense to any of the viewers but or listeners, but I don't really do well with no work ethic and lazy. I don't do well with it. Yeah. I, I don't. It's I, not to say I can't say hello. It's not <laughs> to say that that I'm not going to be cordial or mannerly or whatever, but that's that's that that's I can't deal with it because I can't even fathom it. And also, too, it's one thing if you're a little kid, but as an adult, then that means you're now placing that burden on somebody else and you're, you're arrogant enough to think that somebody needs to take care of you. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's one thing if you, you know, you're debilitated, uh, you're, you're challenged, you have health issues, you're going through a tough time. Uh, you had a real traumatic incident. You're a veteran that's come back PTSD from maybe being in Iraq or being in Syria or on deployment or something. That's a different story, yep. but just being fully sound, uh, fully able-bodied in mind and fully capable and, and maybe have hidden talents and some talent. And and just being kind of like, oh, well, whatever. My parents are going to do that or whatever. It's kind of hard to be, to me, to see adults with some type of potential revert to being kid-like and think that other people, it's other people's responsibility to take care of them that way. I I don't have a lot of respect for that. No, totally agree, man. Totally agree. I think with you, uh, you know, your your son is in great hands with, you know, two wonderful parents that actually like – making sure that, they, you know, they're laying a foundation for him to succeed in life. I love it. Tell the fine folks where thank people you. can find you on social media if they're not doing so already. Yeah, sure. No, thank you for that. I'd say uh, on Twitter, because that's where I'll have the majority of news, hockey-related news, breaking news, keep an eye on different trends, that sort of stuff, some takes, at Kevin Weeks, uh, my full name, at Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, and you can see me on IG. On IG, I'm at Kev, K-E-V, Weeks, on IG. So I love connecting with the fans um you know we love connecting with the fans you guys are the lifeblood of of what we do and without you uh, just like i say no players no game and without the fans you're you're the other side of the equation too so uh yeah i, I enjoy connecting with them on social we enjoy sharing some of our family stuff and 
maybe some of our personal stuff, some business stuff. It's kind of a combination of that on each platform, but the more newsy, juicy stuff on the newsy stuff is more on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. yeah. 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 And also too, people make sure you follow him uh, and watch him on NHL Network and ESPN, just like his son's doing. So follow his son soon. <laughs> Thank you again so much for your time. You've been gracious. Yeah. You went totally over, but I wish you and your family continued success. And again, the stuff that you're talking about, I, I hope inspires parents uh, that are listening to this because it's, it's fantastic. Uh, no, Eddie, listen, man, I, I really enjoy the concept of pro- the broadcast and your podcast and what you're doing. I think it's it's excellent. Uh, it's it's very much needed. I think it serves a real good purpose. Uh, it's good to have these conversations. It's important because we're all trying in our relative ways to do the best we can to create the best environment we can. Uh, and sometimes it's good to hear some of these stories and kind of cross pollinate, you know, what somebody else may be going through or what they may have learned and they may share a nugget that helps you and, and things of that nature. So no, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I told my wife, Meg, that I was going to do it. We're going to get it on the calendar. We're going to make it happen. So I'm glad we were able to make it happen, man. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate your pursuit and, and wanting to, to have me on. Thank you. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you for the kind words. And again, it was an honor to tell you because again, love your story and love just everything you're talking about in the world of fatherhood and obviously hockey and your, and your yeah. passion, but this was great. So thank you. No, no problem, man. No more important job as you know all too well. Indeed. So absolutely. Thanks, my man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you too. I want to say thank you to Sabre for sponsoring this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. They have fantastic products to keep you and your family safe. And if you're looking to get the perfect gift for everybody on your list, make sure you go to saberred.com holidays. They have a gift guide and it'll tell you the perfect gift for everybody on your holiday shopping list. And while you're on the internet, please go to theartoffatherhood.net, check out all the articles, the podcasts, and please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps get the word out, and I'm trying to promote great fatherhood, great stories from all walks of life. And when you subscribe, rate, and review, it helps me out big time. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.